Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Good morning, Bridgeport. I came up here this morning with my cane, and I hate it. Um, And in fact, most of the time, I'm way too proud to use a cane, and I don't. (laughs) In fact, I usually don't bring a cane to church either. Um, But there is a slight lesson in that, I think, that there's a delicate balance between the practical and what we want and what we want for ourselves when we think about who am I right now and what are my what are the reality of my strengths and limitations and what do, who do I want to be um, and what kind of a person do I want to be and it's hard for me to accept the fact of me as an old man with a cane. That's not who I want to be. (laughs) Um, But I think in in thinking about that little illustration, it's also true when we think about who are we together as the church? Who are we in reality? And I think that we need to have a clear view of who we are Presently, what are we really like? How do we behave with each other? And who do we want to be? And I think that we need to consider both of those things and think about that. This morning, I do want to talk about that as we are the body of Christ, the church. I also, um, a lot of the scriptures we're going to look at this morning are pretty familiar to you. You've heard them before and probably thought about them before, but as Peter said in 2 Peter, let me read you 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13, Peter said, therefore I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. And it's true often, you know, we might know scripture, we've heard it before. Sometimes we want to hear new things. I've never heard that before. And yet, we're often not practicing the things that we already know. And and we need to be reminded of truths. So my goal today, in part, is to stir you up a little bit with things you probably already know. Um, Recently, the elders have been talking about our church guidelines, and we're kind of in a really slow process of uh, revising those guidelines. And again, we're in the process of doing that, and eventually you'll probably see a proof copy of that, and you'll have a chance to give input to us. But the process of doing that, we're thinking about who are we at Bridgeport? Who are we as part of the body of Christ, part of the church of Christ at Bridgeport? And who do we want to be? Which is a pretty important question. Um, And, you know, in the process we consider essential doctrines and practices. And how do we want to accomplish our goals How should we behave towards each other? Um, Somewhere's my water. Um, And perhaps what, you know, what changes 
do we need to make? Um, and we do live in a changing culture. And yet, in doing that, we also don't want to compromise our core beliefs that, that, that Christ is, that God is given to us and we have in Scripture. And I think we have to ask, and I think we should all ask this question, what should the church look like? What should the church look like? What would a perfect church look like? That's a silly thing to say. Um, as long as humans are involved, there won't be a perfect church. But at least what would a healthy church look like? What are God's expectations? And when you look, when you look in Scripture at some of the churches of the New Testament period that we see, they're certainly not perfect either. Like we read about the the church at Corinth, the Corinthian church, they they had some problems actually. Um, we read about immorality and drunkenness and jealousy and other issues in that church. Or we, we also read in, in Peter exhorts the church. He writes a letter to exhort the church. Um, and he, uh, he's talking to them about not having favoritism towards the wealthy and uh, how it's necessary that they should respond to the needy and have compassion and, and not just words. Um, thinking about what we see in Scripture, what would be the best example of a healthy church? And I honestly think the, the Scripture that Steve just read for us gives a picture of a healthy church. And I, I want to go and spend a few minutes looking there. Um, this, uh, this snapshot, this picture of the of the, it's the very beginning. It's the first church. It's the start of the church. It's just after the Holy Spirit has fallen on believers at Pentecost. It's after pre Peter has just preached a sermon, his first sermon, and 3,000 people were saved and baptized. And, and all of a sudden, very quickly, the church is formed, and then it begins. And they don't have written guidelines yet. Um, they don't probably even have a name yet other than they're just believers. And yet we read about how they behave and, and something about what they believe as we read this passage. And so as we, as we begin to look in Scripture, let me, let's just pause for a second. I want to have you pray with me as we ask God to, to begin to speak to us about who we are and what would he like to do with us. Father, we're grateful this morning. Thank you for Scripture and its riches, as Steve was talking about. We do thank you for Scripture and your revealed truth to us. And I just would pray this morning as, as we, part of your church, part of your body, God, I, I pray that you'll speak to us as we think about what church should look like, what your church should be like. And I pray, God, that that coming out of this time together, that you would reveal to us, maybe as individuals, well, how do you want us to behave? And maybe it's in a few changes or differences, what would you have us do differently, that we would honor you? So again, we thank you for this time together. We pray you'd speak through your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me read Acts chapter 2 again. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, 
They were attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a very encouraging scripture to me. The amazing thing is this really happened. There was a church that was really like that. That church grew every day. People were coming to Jesus every day. And I think that if you were one of those people who walked in to that group of people, how would you respond to that? What, what would you think? I mean, people had never seen anything like that before. They, and you might have said, I've been looking for this all my life. I mean, it was different. I want to look at some of the specifics, and we'll talk about that a little bit um, as we look through a few of those verses. Starting in verse 42. Um, Again, let me read verse 42. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and breaking of bread and the prayers. It says for, they were devoting themselves to four things, right? Um, first, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what's the significance of that? The, the apostles were, of course, they didn't have many of the New Testament books yet, or any of them. They were speaking out of the prophets and the Psalms and, and the first five books, the Torah. They were speaking about the nature of God. They were teaching from those books about who God is and what God was doing now from prophecy. Um, they were devoting themselves to the truth of who God is and what he was doing in their day. They were also devoting themselves um, to fellowship. What does that mean, fellowship? Well, I mean, when we think of fellowship, it's being together and encouraging each other, um, doing activities together, getting to know other people, and supporting and being supported by other people. It's an interesting statement. They devoted themselves to that process. Interesting, this morning there are a couple of announcements about Super Supper and men's retreat coming up in early February. So if we're devoted to fellowship, how would we respond? What does that mean we should do? Well, another word for devoted is commitment, right? I'm committed to this idea. Are you devoted to fellowship? Should we be committed to being together? That's how that early church was. That early church. And it was fantastic. Um, third thing they were devoted to Breaking of bread. Very simply, they ate together frequently. And you know, it's funny. It's still true today. In, in almost every culture on earth, same in India, when you eat together, it brings relationships closer. And it's almost symbolic of relationship when you eat together. When we eat together, it's kind of, you know, food is essential to life. It's kind of like we're living life together as we eat together. It's quite significant. Um, and and I, I don't know about you, but food is important to me. <laughs> uh, and certainly it's one of the things that we all enjoy together. Um, and finally, they were devoted to prayer. And that was, that was significant and important. They made time for that in their lives. In fact, all of those four things, devoted means that they did them and they made time for them. They were a priority. 
And so that's something for us to think about. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but how do we think about church? Church is something, you know, you get up on Sunday morning and you're sleepy and you take a shower, hopefully, and, uh, and you try not to be late to church like we were this morning. And, and, <laughs> um, how do we think about church? Uh, um, is it a priority for us? And, and it's not a place you go, and it's not even an event, but of course it's us, the people of God. I mean, are we excited about that, to be together? Uh, do we prepare ourselves to be together? Is it a commitment that we've made? And again, I think it's significant that we should think about that. In verse 43, as we continue through the passage, it says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done, by, done through the apostles. Um, so, it says awe. There was a sense of awe, an excitement as they would gather together. Um, and, and I think partly the signs and wonders had something to do with that. But much more than that, it was the presence of God. And when the church, when we, the people of God, come together, what does that bring about? Where two or three are gathered together, what did Jesus say? I will be there. I'll be in their midst. And as we gather together, God is here. We're surrounded as we're together by the presence of God. That's very significant, isn't it? Um, and where the presence of God is, it brings about joy and excitement. And we should feel a sense of God's presence. And we want that to happen. And I think as we gather together, we should come with that intention. We should actually prepare ourselves <laughs> in our hearts when we come to church. That we could, as I come, and come with the presence of Jesus, and you come with the presence of Jesus, and as we meet together, and we share with each other, the presence of God is felt. Um, that's, again, quite significant. In the next two verses, 40, verse 44 and 45, um, It says, I think I'll read off my paper because it's the uh, ESV version. Um, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and, and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's a really remarkable statement. And we could say, well, we live in a different time and a different culture, and we do things differently now. But I would guarantee you that it wasn't any different for them that selling my stuff so that I could provide other people's needs was just as difficult or just as costly then as it would be today. And I don't know that the calling is that we go home and sell all of our stuff, and give all the money to Bridgeport today. Maybe God will tell you that. I'll let him talk to you. Um, but what does it really say? People were concerned about each other, right? As there were needs, as people saw other people had needs, they met those needs, and they did what it took. Again, as we read that, it says, as any... Uh, they were all, they had all things in common. My stuff, if you need it, is your stuff. And they were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so, in the church, in that healthy church, they met each other's needs. 
What would that look like? In, in our current, I mean, it is difficult in our current life of internet and, and many other complications. Do we know each other's needs? Do I have any way of finding out what your needs are? Well, if I were really committed to that, yes, it's possible. <laughs> um, what a wonderful example for us that we would care for each other in that way. Devoted to the fellowship. Devoted. Um, and, you know, I think in thinking about that, there, at that time and at this time too, for, for that church in that time, when people came and saw that happening, people were meeting each other's needs at, at any cost. There, nowhere else in the world was that happening. You couldn't find that anywhere else. And today it's the same. You still can't find that anywhere else because guess what? People don't do that. Um, our, our nature is inherently selfish. And if God doesn't intervene and change who we are, we're going to act that way. We'll act in a selfish way. But when the church comes together and the Spirit of God is moving, we'll be different, right? We should be different. We shouldn't see that anywhere else in the world. The love and concern for one another and the meeting of each other's needs should, should take place in a way that you won't find it anywhere else. Do we want to be that people? Do we want that? Do we want to be a part of a church like that? In verse 46, it said that they had glad and generous hearts. Um, it's a great statement. There was joy. Um, if you were to walk in there, you would be able to feel it. There was joy. And they were generous, of course. The evidence is, a, is abundant. They gave what they needed to any time. And people encouraged each other in friendship. Um, glad and generous hearts. And, and indeed, we should have the joy that comes from knowing Jesus, right? We, of all people, should have joy. And when I come together with you, if God has given me joy because I know Jesus and I'm forgiven and I have hope and, and you have hope, Enjoy, it should multiply. Just like waves, when waves meet, if they're going in the same direction, they multiply and become stronger. We should have joy. We should have gladness. And then finally, in verse 47... praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. What a wonderful statement. And there was worship and praise and continual praise to God. Um, and that should be the hallmark of the church, that we are people who have praise for God in all of our circumstances Whatever happens, we should be people where coming out of our mouths is praise for God. Every, every day is an opportunity. Everything that happens in my life is an opportunity. And I, actually, I'm learning that a little bit more recently. Um, I, you know, there's a few trials in my life recently, and... It's an opportunity to praise God. It really is. It's also 
actually a wonderful opportunity, uh, as it talks about here, to be a little bit different than the rest of the world um, so that people will notice God gives us opportunity. I had a friend, I've been in the hospital, quite a, in, the, in doctor's offices, I'll say, quite a bit recently, and, you know, I, a very good friend of mine on the phone was just simply reminding me, it was a great conversation, how I, you know, I now have the opportunity to talk to people that, that I wouldn't normally get to talk to. In fact, other people might not have the opportunity to talk to them either. God is giving me that opportunity, and, and I have that. I need to remember that and take that opportunity. Praise should come from us. So if you were to encounter a church like Acts chapter 2, what would you think? I've got to be a part of this. I've been looking for this. You might even say, I, I don't know if I should come because I'm not sure if I fit in. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm good enough. Um, but we would be impacted. And, and Jesus intended, God intended that we as the church of Jesus Christ would leave an impact on this earth. Right? We're supposed to leave an impact. Today, we actually still do have some unique opportunities. You know, we're kind of in that post-COVID era. And COVID has had the effect of separating people and isolating people. And I think more than ever before, people today are looking for connections. And we have opportunity today to connect with people. They're, you know, they're looking for connections. Maybe not in the same way they used to, but we need to take that opportunity and, and connect with people. Um, and, you know, finding their needs. Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations. And to do that, to make disciples, to make connections, we simply have to form relationships, don't we? We need to make relationships, build relationships. How important are relationships? Vary. <laughs> the body of Christ, vary. For the body of Christ to bring the message, uh, to make disciples of all nations, vary. We need to make, how, how, how can you and I prof, uh, effectively proclaim the gospel to people? Through relationships. Um, and we need to look for those opportunities to form relationships. We need to engage with people and have conversations with people. And some, for some of us hard, some of us are extroverts and that's, that's just as easy as taking another breath. Some of us are introverts and that isn't very normal and natural for us. But I still promise you that God will give you, wherever, wherever you live, whatever you are, God will give you opportunities to form relationships that are appropriate for you, that you can handle, that you can do. In doing that, you know, what is our goal? Is it our goal to have more people come to Bridgeport Chapel? Is that the goal? I think we need a slightly bigger goal than that, right? We need to build the kingdom of God on earth. We need to see people come into the kingdom of God, and we need to help them grow and, and flourish and establish them as part of God's kingdom. It's bigger than Bridgeport. And yet, when we do that, God will take care of Bridgeport. Um, and it will be joyful to be a part of Bridgeport. Doing that takes energy, doesn't it? it I, I, I can promise you you'll get tired if you do that. If we engage with people constantly, we'll get tired. It takes energy and commitment. 
In Galatians chapter 6, a couple verses, 9 and 10, says, Paul says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we do not give up. So that as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially the household of faith. There's some significant statements, points for us to capture there. First, very simply in verse 9, don't give up. If we continue to do good, we get tired. Let's not grow weary of doing good, of reaching out to others. We will, there's a promise in that verse, isn't there? We will reap if we continue to do good. And good things truly will happen. We plant, maybe as Paul said, others water, but God brings growth. God will make something happen. And we need to trust God in that process. It's worth it. Sometimes we just get tired. Don't quit. Don't be weary. And then verse 10 goes on to say, do good to everyone. That's quite a hard statement. (laughs) Basically, as we meet people, whether they're believers or not, we need to look at it as an opportunity to encourage them, to say nice things to them, to speak the truth in love to them, and to help them as we can. Again, that's a pretty big task. That's a big challenge. And then it gives us a priority statement to follow that, especially those who are of the household of the faith. We are to take care of our own, right? We should especially make sure that the needs of believers around us are met. Priority statement for us. Similar verse. In Hebrews 13, 16, it says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Beyond that, they're pleasing to God. There's a reward for you. God notices when you live in a way that, that encourages and helps others and builds up the, king, the kingdom of God, God sees our efforts. Or Matthew 25, remember when Jesus said, When you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you do it to me. It's personal. To God, it's personal. And it matters to him. And he notices. As we think about scripture, and we talk about the church, there's two basic analogies that you're very familiar with and have heard so many times. The bride of Christ... And the body of Christ. Um, First, the bride of Christ. It expresses relationship with God. It expresses specifically relationship to Jesus and his commitment to us, the church. And there's a lot of scripture that uses the example about the bride of Christ. I'll just read you one out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus gave himself up for the church so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed uh, cleansed her by the washing of water with the, with the word, and so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that he might that she might be holy and without blemish the commitment of Jesus to the bride of Christ the church is to purify her at great sacrifice to himself at great cost to himself to purify her and to make her ready as the bride of Christ. And, and it really gives us a picture of relationship. What's the love of Christ like for the church? It's sacrificing. It's pure. It's complete. Um, full commitment to the church, to his bride. And what should our, our response be to 
Christ our husband? We should love him. You know, the great statement of in, uh, in Exodus or Deuteronomy, you should, we should, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And that there should be that kind of a relationship between the church and Christ. Um, the second analogy, the body of Christ, really expresses that relationship with God, with Jesus, being lived out with other believers. That love for God is shown and demonstrated towards other people the body of Christ. And of course, we're all parts of that body. Let me again, in that analogy, just simply read you a couple scriptures also. In Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, in both Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit given to the body of Christ, but it makes some other statements about how we're to live with those gifts. Romans 12, 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So, as we look at that, we are members of one another. We're different. We have different gifts. We're probably going to think differently but I belong to you, and you belong to me, and we're together as part of a larger body. That's significant. We are members of one another. Let me also, in 1 Corinthians 12, a little longer passage, 12 to verses 16 to 22 and verse 26. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, would, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? As it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I do I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And then skipping to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We are different from each other, and yet we're one. In verse in 1 Corinthians, verses 16 and 17, no one can say that I am not important. The eye can't say I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an ear. Um, we're all important. In fact, we need each other. That's a scriptural truth. I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. So God tells us. Sometimes we'd rather forget that, or we have conflicts even. But we need each other. God is, did God make us all the same? No. Did God give us all the same talents and abilities and spiritual gifts? No. The reason he did that is because I'm different than you, but I don't have all of the gifts. I'm missing some things. To be complete, I need you. Um, that's really important for us to recognize. I, you know, Christianity is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. Only a team sport. And we need each other much more than we think we do. Um, verse 20. Uh, the many parts make up one body together. Verse 20 says... As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And together we're one and we're complete. Verse 21. 
we shouldn't say, I don't need you. It says it clearly, verse 21. I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Because I'm just an eye. I don't, I need the hand. And we have different gifts. We need each other. All of the parts of the body are valued. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They're valuable. Every person, if you're a believer and you're part of the church of Jesus Christ, you are, what word did he use? Indispensable. You are valuable as part of the body of Christ. We need each other. Finally, in verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We are connected to each other in joy. We're connected in success. And we're connected in sorrow. And we're not to suffer sorrow alone. And we don't, when we celebrate the successes that we experience, that God gives us, we're to share and experience those together because we're family and I think that's profoundly true I remember when my adventurous son Josh went off he was 17 or 18 he went off to Alaska for the first time and and he began to have lots of adventures some of which were hazardous and Lynn prayed a lot and um, but I remember very clearly feeling almost like that as he was up there having his adventures, that I was there because he was my son. What's the word? Living uh, vicariously, old man moment. Um, We do that, and we're family together, and the church should live vicariously. We should share those, those moments of life that we have together. God says it's true because we're the body of Christ. Um, The problem we face is that we're just a little bit selfish. Um, And that stands in the way of our relationship with God, the bride of Christ. And it stands in the way of our relationship with with each other, the body of Christ. Obviously, I'm stirring now. Um, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Stop looking at myself. Stop looking at me. Um, And we know that. But it's very challenging, and you need the power of God to do it. And only through the power of God can you be a part of the body of Christ the way you were intended to. We need to break away from our selfishness through the Holy Spirit. We need to approach friendship in a new way. Typically, normally and naturally, when you... How do you know, when you choose a friend, how do you choose a friend? You, it's just so natural. You think about how that person might benefit you. <laughs> they make me feel good. I want them to be my friend. Or, you know, they have lots of tools in their shop. I want them to be my friend. <laughs> um, but we need to have a new perspective on, on friendship in the body of Christ. We want to be friends We want to give encouragement, strengthen the weak, bring joy and hope to those who need it. That's our role in friendship, in brotherhood, in sisterhood. First Peter one twenty two, last verse. I kind of thought that I would be short today, but I don't think I have that capacity. First Peter 1.22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. There's a couple of words I underlined in that verse. 
having purified your souls for obedience to the truth with a sincere brotherly love. Sin, what does that look like? And I want to look at those three words. The first one is sincere. Sincere love. You know, a lot of times we say, I love you. <laughs> uh, pray for you. Sincere means I'm going to really do it. <laughs> I'm going to take whatever it takes, hell or high water, I'm going to show up. Sincere love of the brother. I'm committed to you. And I think that we need to think about that a little bit. It says in Hebrews, let us consider how we may stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That means you've got to think about how I'm going to do that. Give yourself a little time to, how can I stimulate others to be more Christ-like even? Christ-like even. The second word I underline is love one another earnestly. What does earnestly mean? Interesting statement. Earnestly means that I'm putting some work into it. It's commitment. If you're earnest about something, it means that you're serious to do it. I'm committed to that. Against the same statement, love one another, but do it earnestly. Are you committed to that? What does that mean? Again, I gotta, if I'm going to love you, I've got to find out what, you, what you're struggling with or what you're excited about. But I have to be committed to that. It's a bit difficult. It takes a bit of time to love people earnestly. It's hard just to love your husband or wife earnestly. <sighs> God is patient. <laughs> um, and finally, it says to do it with a pure heart. Pure heart. I don't want anything back. Pure heart. It's all about you. It's not all about me. It's all about Jesus. It's not about me. Huh. We have to find a balance. We do have our own needs. Um, and I just want to finish by talking for a second about relationships, and then I want to give you an assignment. Um, relationships are risky. You probably experienced that. Um, when you form relationships, it might cost you something. It might make you uncomfortable. <laughs> You don't know how the relationship will turn out sometimes. They might call you in the middle of the night. Might cost you sleep. It's risky. And we wonder, even in the beginning of a relationship, we, sometimes we're just a little bit insecure. We wonder, will I say the right things? Will I say something stupid? I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk to them. Um, it's risky. And yet, when we do that, when we engage, there are also rewards. Relationships are risky, but they're rewarding. And as we, as we reach out to people, we as the church will experience Many rewards. Many rewards. Um, one of the most basic needs for humanity is to feel connected, right? And, not, and to be accepted by others. When people come to this fellowship, maybe for the first time, do they feel connected? Will they feel connected? Do we greet them? Do we engage them in conversation? It's difficult because it's a lot easier to come talk to your friends. And we do that. And we need to do that sometimes. Sometimes they have needs too. But 
but I, I guess I want to finish with that challenge. Uh, that's a really small way, one of the small ways that we, as the body of Christ, part of the body of Christ, can love one another earnestly. Is there are people in this, you know, I've been in India too long. There's a lot of people in this congregation that I don't know very well now. Um, but I think for all of us, there are people that you don't know, that you haven't even met yet, or at least some people that you don't know very well. Originally, I was going to finish my message a few minutes early so that I'll give you time to do that. Maybe I didn't accomplish that. But, but my challenge, and in fact, my assignment to you today is before you go home to go talk to somebody that you don't know very well. And I hope that that will be a part of our culture, that we will build relationships, that we will love one another earnestly with pure hearts. Um, and we want that culture to be true for our church, Bridgeport, for Jesus Church, and of course, worldwide, because we're part of the Jesus Church worldwide. Join with me as we pray together. Father, we are just so grateful for your love for us. Thank you that, that in fact, you put us together. There are people in this room that are very dear to me. And God, I know that that's true for many here. Thank you for those relationships. Thank you, God, for your gift to us of the other members of your body. And I pray, God, that, that you would move in our hearts to make us people who love others earnestly from pure hearts. God, that we would be a, a fruitful part of your body. God, I pray that, that this fellowship would become a place where your presence is felt. God, I pray that that you'll move among our midst. God, and we confess that we're just selfish and that we need your spirit to, to be different, to be people who honor you. I pray, God, that you will, through your Holy Spirit, move in our hearts, not just today, but each week, and, and not each week, but every day. God, make us people who honor you as your church. We pray it in the glorious name of Jesus, whom we love. Amen.